The Law Report with Tyrone Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report program. Well, I'm joined this evening by Labour Law Attorney Michael Bagram. And for, for the first time, I think in the last well, the last two programs that Michael's been with us, he hasn't actually been with us, if you know what I mean. We've recorded those shows because we had so much we wanted to talk about. And last week we had all those questions we had to get through, piles of emails. But tonight, Michael is actually in the studio. So if you want to call him and speak with him, you can. The number is 0892 10 Michael, welcome back to the studio. Hi, thank you. It's nice to be here for a change. Yes. And I'm going to enjoy the program. Nice and live tonight with all our listeners. So as I mentioned, we have a few emails to get through this evening. We'll also be chatting about leave and in particular about payment or time off for public holidays. So that's always a good topic to talk about. But um, we'll get to the emails in a moment. If you want to call through in the meantime, it's 0892-10-2010 and leave your name and number with my producer and we'll call you back as soon as we're done. Right, emails. The first one is from Moira. It says, I work for a company who a year ago employed a young man on a one-year contract in a learnership role. He's just received notification that as his one-year contract is about to come to an end, his employment contract is to terminate. However, when one questions how his role will be filled going forward, one is told that the role will be filled by another learnership contract. Is this fair and is it legal? Well, yes, it, it is in, in to a large degree because a lot of the companies put aside a certain amount of training to put people into learnership roles that they give them skills, uh, train them so that they then are fit for the workplace for their next job. And companies have to hit certain targets to put the learnership in. So I don't think there's anything wrong and I don't think there's anything unfair and there certainly isn't anything illegal about putting people into learnerships and saying this is a post where we're going to teach people the job. As soon as you've done your year, we'll put the next person in. And I, and I think it's quite good for the economy. Um, we, we should actually have more of it. So basically after that one year, he should be qualified he, enough to be able to correct. apply for a job using the skills he's learned And over that now year. on his CV, he's mm. done a year's work, he's got the skills. And as you might know, and everyone should know, we actually got a skill shortage in this country. Believe it or not, we have in the age group 17 to 25 almost 50% unemployment. And yet when you open up the newspapers in the day and you look in the business day, for instance, there are hundreds of jobs being advertised. But these are jobs with skills. So everyone's looking for the skills. In fact, many people are bringing people in from overseas because they're the people with the skills. So... When you have companies that are willing to put learnerships into place, we should be applauding them and we should be giving them as much help as possible. So although Moira says this might be unfair and might be illegal, this company is actually doing a service to the economy. Because we often get questions from people saying that they applied for a job, but then it says must have experience. Correct. And they, the, the question, it's like a vicious circle, but I, I can't get the experience if you don't give me the job. How am I supposed to get the experience? This is how you get the experience, through the learnerships. Correct, and we should be having more of it. And mm. I, I believe that government should step in and create all sorts of tax incentives for every company to train people in what they actually do and have that turnaround so that someone can walk out and so he or she can say, I have my papers. I'm able to do this. I can put it on my CV and I can now be of great use to the next company who can then employ me. And maybe I'll take the next step and learn something new, something better to move on. 
Um, I, as I, as you know, at the um, a few months back, I went to Germany, and it's unbelievable how they go through the learnership programs with with the younger kids, and they learn from the age of fourteen. They learn a skill, and even if someone wants to one day be a doctor, they first learn a skill how to be a plumber, and you know that you've always got that skill, and it's something fantastic because everyone's there's a certain amount of pride that goes with it. And learnerships are what we need more in this country. We need more South Africans learning how to do certain things. Plumbing, bricklaying, plastering. Those are skills that will always stand you in good stead. And we should be very proud if we know someone that is learning to be a plasterer uh, and is able to do it. And that person then will take that skill where no one can ever steal that from you. It's, it's the most wonderful thing to know that you've got that skill. So... I must applaud the company that did take on this person in a learnership role. Right. Mondly says, I have a question. I'm a black African male. In applying for a job, I was told they wanted a white female. I was under the impression that BEE or equity favoured black people. Do I have a case of unfair discrimination? Well, Mondly, yes, this is interesting because obviously everyone thinks that uh, employment equity favours black people only. That's not correct. That's not true. Employment equity is put into our statute book specifically to help people who are previously disadvantaged. And they've defined that previously disadvantaged as people who are um, black, obviously, because that was a cause of apartheid. That black people were previously disadvantaged, but colored as well, also previously disadvantaged, disabled. Anyone that has a disability would qualify under employment equity. And females, any female was previously disadvantaged. And in fact, females are still previously disadvantaged at the workplace. We keep hearing stories how there's a, a, a glass ceiling where women can't get into the senior roles. And it's also and that whole thing about equal work for equal pay. Women are still getting paid less than still, men for doing the, the same job. And they don't get the same, the same ladder up mm. in, into the higher echelons of the company. So no, Mondley, you're not correct. Uh, you don't have a case of unfair discrimination in this particular instance because they're looking at a female coming in and the female happens to be white. I don't think that's the real issue. Obviously, one needs to be very careful when you answer questions like this because often you have to read the company's employment equity plan. And once you read that plan, which was submitted to the Department of Labor, you would have a look and see the plan if, in fact, you were going to have a certain percentage of more black people in the company, and then they appoint a white person, even if they are a female, then there might be a case of unfair discrimination. So I think what Mondley can do in this case, if he's still unhappy with the answer that I'm giving, is to ask them for the employment equity plan and let's have a look, and then we can analyze it in terms of their own plan. Right. Um, email from Batandra says, I'm doing my master's in labor law at Stellenbosch, Congratulations, Batanda. I wish you much luck with that. I don't think that's easy at all. It says, I just wanted to find out if you could help me on some academic issues that I'm having a problem with. It's such a long list, I'm not sure where to begin. I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Fort Hare in East London. I was under the support of NSFAS. However, they did not pay for all my debt, so I have an outstanding amount of 2,740 Rand and 33 cents. And I can't access my academic record. 
I'm missing a lot of opportunities for articles for this because they need my transcript. My mother is unemployed and my grandparents receive government grants. There's no external family member that can help us. I've sent so many letters to a lot of people and they were of no assistance to me. Secondly, I received a bursary to do my master's, but it's not sufficient to cover all my costs. The bursary is worth 60,000 Rand and my fees are 83,000, well, pretty much almost 84,000 Rand. And this is excluding meals. I'm currently using meal cards from pick and pay that I received from the social worker here at school. Lastly, I'm in a, a technological disadvantaged state because the laptop which I have, it was donated to me, he says, is not mobile, so I can't connect it to the school Wi-Fi. So I'm in need of a tablet, at least, because my work is being affected. Basically, what Batandra is asking for, he says, he says I'm probably, you're probably wondering why I'm telling you all this, but I wanted to find out if perhaps you could not help me find people who can help me with my situation. Now, I find this actually a very sad email because he's working so hard, got so far to the master's level, and literally he's mm. being stymied now because can't get the academic record, can't, you know, there's not enough money to cover his fees, family is unable to assist what do you do in a situation like this michael well obviously first he, he must get hold of the university itself and speak to them and see if they have any uh, bursaries or anything that they could actually offer him because i mean when you're at the master's level you actually deserve to be helped mm. and i mean especially from his disadvantaged background i think it would be a disgrace if we couldn't as a country somehow get together and support him the next step would also for him to contact the law schools uh, the various law schools around the country, and the law societies. Uh, there are certain bursaries that the law societies have, and I would suggest that he goes um, to the nearest law society here in Cape Town, because he's at Stellenbosch yes. University, and ask them if they could put him on uh, to a bursary. They also might put him on to a law firm that might be possibly wanting to help. In exchange, they can offer him articles or... Some part-time Well, he work says there. he can't do the articles because he can't access the his academic yes, record. Yes, but they, they, if they would put in some money, they would probably be able well, to two, get the 2,800 Rand, yeah, basically. I mean, it's, like, it's basically nothing. Mm. Uh, in reality, if you're looking at a large law firm who are always looking for people who have these skills, and he's doing a master's in labor law. It's a, it's a specialized topic, a topic that's always wanted. I would suggest very strongly that he gets hold of the law societies. In Cape Town. Okay. Right. Our final email is from Mary. Um, and this also sounds like quite an awful story. Um, says, I moved into an old age home in, on the south coast two and a half months ago. And she's developed severe osteoarthritis and she's awaiting surgery. And so is obviously needing all sorts of help in this home. She says, my grave concern is that the staff here are not paid. They are mainly carers in the nursing field, which is a dead-end job. I am a registered nurse, retired of course, and have spent 40 years in the field, half in tutoring nurses. I have a degree in nursing education and professional practice and law. Needless to say, these women came to me early on my arrival here and told me of this problem. I found it hard to believe that it's true and it's getting worse. The manager of this home is incompetent and hardly equipped to run such an institution. It's not registered and not regulated. Hence, I feel the manager does not, doesn't have an idea, oh, sorry, oh, does as he likes. I'm licensed by this injustice. Excuse me, I'm reading all skewed I'm incensed by this injustice and have often confronted the said owner with the problem. The story I get is that there's no money and that he's being taken over by another with a huge investment and all will be well. 
I have been very harsh with him and frankly told him he is a dishonest man. And, well, you can guess the rest. I do not mince my words. But I'm furious and I'm trying to shame this man into some morality. I have advised these women of the labour law and to go to the labour department, but they are afraid that if they make waves, they will lose their jobs. It's a very real thing to them. I have no access to the South African Nursing Council as these women are not professionals, although they are made to give insulin, deal with scheduled five and six drugs and do invasive procedures. I have warned this manager of, of the illegality of all of this and I constantly advise the carers on medical matters, although I have no clout here. There is a staff nurse in charge, which is also against the law, as she cannot practice legally without a registered nurse. She seeks my advice constantly. Needless to say, they are mainly black people. They are two white carers who seem to be treated somewhat better. However, I have no proof of that. If I use the term, let me just see you. Um, I'm very outspoken, she says, on racist remarks. What can I do? Now, these staff are not being paid. I mean, how can you not pay these people? No, I don't, I don't think she means that because they obviously don't want to lose their job. I think that she means they're not being paid properly. She just says, my grave concern is that the staff are not paid. That's pretty much. Yeah, I, I, don't, think, I don't think that would be correct because if they're not being paid, then they must just go straight to the Department of Labor and lodge a complaint. They as couldn't a lose their job. They don't actually have a job then. Yeah, no, but the, I mean, if you're not getting paid, you don't need a job. Yeah. Um, no one wants to work for the fun of it. Um, so maybe some people who are wealthy and don't need uh, to get I'm sure salary. these people, these carers aren't wealthy. It doesn't sound like they are. So I, I, I personally think that that's not correct. I think what she's saying is that they're not paid properly, which is probably true. Okay. And they're not pay, paid the minimum wage that they're supposed to get in that industry, which is also probably true. One thing I can suggest, and I have been suggesting it for years on this program, let them unionize. Let them join a union. There is a a nurses' union, there are few. Even though they are not professional nurses, they there are lots of unions that would help them. Okay. In particular, there's a one very powerful union called Nehawu, the National Education Health Workers Union. Uh, and I'm not an agent for Nehawu. <laughs> Please uh, understand that. But a union would stand in very quickly, get them all to join, and would then demand their rights. Um, and then it's, it's, it's an anonymous demand. It's not from an individual. Likewise, the Department of Labor are quite happy to keep your name anonymous. They can send an inspector in. The inspectors are getting uh, better training. They can send an inspector in who will then arrive and say, I want to see the books. I want to see what people are getting paid. And but I even, I mean, they're not even registered and not regulated either, she says. Yeah, well, you don't want to close them down because then they no, really then they're won't. No, they're all going to have and nothing. Yeah, so yeah, what so do you I wouldn't do that, but I would, I would certainly join a union in a case like this. Okay, now how are you? Absolutely. And, and um, if Mary wants to, she can actually call them herself. And yeah. Okay. So if, they, so she, if the carers don't, phone, she, she can do She can phone in a, uh, into the local Nahawu office. They will send someone in the next day and you will have everyone signed up. No one needs to fear because it, a union is like an insurance policy. Obviously, they have to continue working and have to behave themselves and do what is necessary to keep your job. But you can't work with the basis of not getting paid properly. Okay. Right. We're going to take one call quickly from Derek in Johannesburg, and then we're going to talk about leave. Derek, good evening. Thanks, sir. Hello. How are you, Derek? I'm fine, thanks, and you? I'm fine. How can we help you, Derek? Yes. I once worked in Lambert. That was uh, 2010. Are you with me, Vera? Yes, listening to you, You're Derek. Listening. Yes. So now what happened is once they dismissed you, you, you must 
bring their uniform back and then they'll give you money for uniform and food. Understand what I'm saying? So they didn't give me anything. When I went, I even went to the uh, labor labor department. In the labor department, they told me that uh, these people they are they don't they don't pay if you you don't have your own lawyers. I said, how can I afford the gun expenses? People, I don't. I'm not doing it. And then I went again to this man, Mr. Kobe. He said to me, no, the president can help you. And it's at the labor department in Bradley. And then I decided to to, 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 to to come to you guys. Maybe you can help me. Okay, so basically you you took back, you were told to bring back the uniform so that they would then pay you back the money that you'd laid out for the uniform yes. as well as your leave, leave and your leave pay. And, uh, leave money and your leave pay. And so did you take the uniform back, Derek? Yes, I did. That. That and they haven't paid thing. you? And they've given you nothing. And that was nothing, nothing. Nothing. I mean, this has been going on for years because this was in. You were dismissed in 2011, and then you went in 2012. You went to the Department of Labor, and yes. the last you went again in 2013, and nothing's happening. Nothing. And so the Labor Department said they couldn't help him. So, what, Michael, what now? Well, obviously, the, the first port of call is: Were you a member of a trade union at the time? Yes. No. There was no trade union there. Yeah, we never had any union. We okay, were not well, allowed to have a union. Okay, well, that, that's really wrong. And people must know that if an employer says you're not allowed to have a union, that is automatically unfair in terms of our Labor Relations Act and wrong. But that doesn't yeah. help you now. What I would suggest you do is you go to the Security Industry Council. Where is it, mate? I, I'm not sure. What what we can do is we can put it on the website. Where? When? What town are you? Uh, I'm in Joburg. In Joburg, there is a. It's called Sira S I R A. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll I put, know it's in Joburg somewhere next to Carlton Centre. Okay, if you can get there, find out where it is. Um, yeah. I'm not in Johannesburg, but you can find out where it is and go in and tell them about the name of the company, what yeah. happened, and they are better than the Department of Labour in the security industry because that's what they specialise in. They yeah, I'll are obliged it, I'll to help you. Now it's been long, mm. Yeah, no, it's not right. You've been cheated. So I think you must go in there and you must tell them. Will you do that? Uh, uh, can you repeat that, sir? Will you go in there and go and tell them the story and you ask yeah. them to pursue it for you? Uh, I'll try to do that. I'll go there on Monday. And then Thank let you. us know what happens, Derek. Hello, man. Let us know what happens. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll let you know. Should okay. I text you uh, the papers or what? Well, must I phone you? Well, I you? You can just drop. You can send me an email or something again. Okay, I'll text you. Thank you. Okay, good luck, Thanks, Derek. Derek. Good luck Bye. to you. Bye. Good night Bye. to you. Right, we've got a few calls uh, lined up here, but before we get to those, Michael, we wanted to just go into leave. You said you've been bombarded at the office with people and problems with leave and family responsibility leave. So we thought we just clarified few minutes just to give people something yeah it's important because we've just had a few public holidays a few, and, yes. uh, um, it's going to be horrible to work a full and week again five-day week is really not on our yeah, the three-day ones it's like going to be quite a, quite a shocker for mm. a lot of us that have got jobs but i tell you we're still the elite those of us that have jobs so let's not moan about it but no i am getting lots of emails lots of queries about people who did work on the public holiday are they entitled to get double pay for the public holiday because it's a normal day for some businesses? Other businesses say, well, we're going to give you double time off in exchange for the public holiday. And also some people are saying they were forced to work on the public holiday. 
Now, you need to understand that any employee who works more than 24 hours a month for an employer is entitled to the benefits of Chapter 3, which is dealing with leave under the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. So all of us that work more than 24 hours a month fall under Chapter 3. And we're all entitled to a certain amount of leave. And you're entitled to the public holidays as leave. And you can't get forced to work on those public holidays because it's your leave. Unless you have agreed in terms of a contract of employment or the terms and conditions of employment. And if you do work, then you must get double pay for those public holidays. There are certain types of leave, and I just want to take you through them quickly so that we don't lose sight of all the types of leave that we do have in South Africa, and people keep asking about it. First of all, we have annual leave, and it's calculated on an annual leave cycle in terms of Section 20 of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. That's Chapter 3 of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. There is annual leave on an annual leave cycle, which means a period of 12 months of employment with the same employer after the employee's commencement or on the completion of the previous, the prior leave cycle. And an employer must grant an employee at least 21 consecutive days annual leave on full pay in respect of each annual leave cycle. Now, 21 consecutive days is not 21 leave days per annum. 21 consecutive days works out like this. If you work a six-day week, then you multiply it by three because that's your 21 days. So what you're entitled to then is 18 days because it's six-day week times three, so you're entitled to 18 days, not 21. If you work a three-day week, then you're entitled to nine days leave per annum, paid leave. And people often get confused because they say, well, I didn't get 21 days leave. But you, in fact, do get that because it's 21 consecutive days. And that's how it works. Obviously, people try and break up their leave and some, some get paid more or less. Some companies have greater leave benefits than the annual leave. So it's important that we all understand what annual leave is. An employer may not pay an employee instead of granting paid leave. It comes as a shock to a lot of us, but mm. your leave is there for you to actually recuperate. It's not to say, all right, I'll work it in. You can pay me the extra three weeks. That's not what it's there for. And a lot of people say, no, rather pay me extra and I'll work the three weeks I'm supposed to take off. I'll work it, pay me extra, pay me double for that time. That's not the whole idea. So we all have to take leave. And there have been court cases that you must take your leave annually. You can hold it over to the next leave cycle, but you can't hold it further than that. You must take it. We obviously also have sick leave. And again, that does on a sick leave cycle, which is 36 months employment with the same employer, following the commencement of employer, of employment, and or the completion of the previous uh, sick leave cycle. Again, you have to be sick. To take sick leave, we've discussed this before. You can't say, "Well, I've got, every now and again. I've got, I've got sick leave owing to me, so I'm going to take it." You have to be sick. You have to show that, in fact, you've got 
incapacity that you can't actually work during that time and if you take more than one day off um, or two consecutive days or two on two occasions in an eight-week period then you would have to have proof of incapacity so again you must show that you actually couldn't work and therefore you need to get paid and everyone's entitled to sick leave maternity leave we've spoken about it before but every every employee who obviously is about to give birth is entitled to at least four consecutive months of maternity leave and an employee may commence maternity leave at any time from four weeks before the expected date of birth unless otherwise agreed <coughs> excuse me i think i'm sick and then no employee you have a may note, work <laughs> No employee may work for six weeks after the birth of a child unless a medical practitioner or a midwife certifies that she is fit to do so. Now, a whole lot of other terms and conditions with regard to maternity leave and anyone who has fall prevalent pregnant and is working, it's important to go and read Section 25 of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. Please go read it. It's not difficult to understand, but I think every pregnant woman needs to know what her rights are now we have the basic conditions of employment as one of the documents that is available to the listeners so if you'd like a copy of that just drop me a mail to law at safm.co.za and i will send you a copy of the basic conditions of employment right we've got one more to go because we now start need to start taking some of these hundreds of okay. calls and just have, let's have a quick look at family responsibility leave and um, that is three days it employ it, it applies to an employee who has been in employment with an employer for longer than four months, so you must be there at least four months, and who works at least four days a week for that employer. So if you work four days or more per week, and you've been there over four months, you're entitled to three days family responsibility leave. A bit of a complicated exercise, but read section 27. It'll tell you all about it. But obviously a brand new father can use that as his paternity leave. Okay, so there's a lot to lose. So, basic conditions of employment, if you want that act, just drop me a mail, law at safm.co.za, and I'll send you a copy of that. Right, on to the phones we go. Errol in Port Elizabeth, good evening. Good evening to you. Hello. Um, I've got quite a complex question, and I'd just like your advice about. Um, I was injured on duty in August this year, it will be 20 years ago, and I was only compensated for approximately nine months after the accident happened. And I've never been compensated since. I've got all the necessary documentation from the doctors that attended to me. Just very briefly, um, while I wasn't working, my head was caught in a crane. And I had my right, my left ear severed to the lobe, and I underwent surgery for that, and then I was referred to um, um, a surgeon for um, treatment on my neck with nerves that, you know, weren't intact, and uh, subsequently since then, well, I've suffered with having gone blind in my left eye. And all that, and all the all the um, documentation that I've submitted to the witness conversation of all these years, I get put through the same scenario where 
uh, and told that I must submit documents and that. And then I referred from uh, clinic to hospital. Then from the hospital, I've got to wait for the necessary surgeons for the ear and for the eye, which I do. And then when I submit the necessary doctor's certificates, then I'm uh, put on hold, in other words, that I don't get any answers or anything like this. And then, um, you know, it just expires after three years, then I've got to go through the same process again. Michael? Okay, let, let, me, let me, obviously, Errol, I'm sorry to hear all this, and I'm sorry to hear that you have been such a traumatic lifetime with this injury. Um, maybe I can try and help. Um, I'm not saying it will help, but at least email me with some of the latest documents. Uh, Coron will give you my email address. And let me see what I can do. Let me write to the department directly myself. Um, and and maybe, maybe who knows, um, but a prayer and some positive thought, um, possibly I can help you. And a letter from Michael. Errol, do you have a pen and paper handy? I don't actually, but if you'd be kind okay. enough to... We've got your number. Um, I'll get my producer to give you a call back in about five minutes or so. And then he can yes. give you Michael's email address. But let me let me and try. Let me at least try. Mention, one last thing. I'm actually this happened when I was 50 years of age. I'm turning 70 next month. Gosh, you don't sound 70, Errol. Yeah, you sound like a young you man. You do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's true. I'm turning 70 Gosh, next well, month. Congratulations and, uh, on your upcoming birthday. Yeah. It's been quite a trauma for me actually over awesome. these last 20 years. Well, let's see, if Michael. Maybe Michael can uh, start the ball let, rolling. Let me let's see hope. if at least I can shake the tree a bit. Okay. okay, Errol, we'll, we'll give you a call in about five minutes or so, and then you can just take down Michael's email address. But for those of you listening, it's Michael at Bagrams, B-A-G-R-A-I-M-S dot C-O dot Z-A. It's Michael's email address. Right, and uh, we'll get Errol get to give Errol that uh, email address a bit later, and hopefully Michael can help him out there. Right, off to Thanks Durban. So Thanks, Errol. Thank you. Good night to you. you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Right, uh, off to Durban now. Uh, Martin, good evening. Uh, good evening, uh, Karen. Hello. Hi, Martin. Hello, how are you? And, and Michael, how are you? Yeah, how's it? Are you going all right? Uh, I'm doing all right, yeah. How can we help two you, Martin? Issues, uh, yeah, I've got uh, two, two issues, uh, Karen. The first one is uh, uh, concerning the leave days. Mm. You know, I've been employed uh, in a transport company. I'm a truck driver, actually. And I've been working there since 2010, on the month of March. I can remember quite well. And up to now, I haven't taken any leave days whatsoever. Not because I can't, but it's because they won't allow us to, because it's always busy. And we're working over, 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 almost every day. Every minute of the day we're driving. That's the only time bad. you can get an off is maybe when you get to a place on a Friday and you can't offload there. Or maybe you can't load because of the reasons that maybe the customer is closed or something else. So my problem now is come the year end, there is no pay leave. There is nothing. Nothing is being paid in the in the line of the of the leave days or what whatever. So you're not getting leave and you're not getting paid out for it either. You're not getting paid for it either. Since from the year I started working for the same company. Which was it? When in 2012? Did you say? From 2010. 2010. So it's five years now. Uh, up to now, and I'm still working. Uh, you know, the, you know the sooner I'm sorry to hear this, Martin, because you're being cheated badly, very bad. I mean, it's not first. Yeah. First of all, it's dangerous because you need yeah. you need leave to recoup to recover. 
You need time yeah. to have with your family to get your mind to rest. And that's why we have accidents on the road because they're pushing you too hard. And it's really well, not it's fair. True. It's not right. That's the first thing. Yeah. The second thing is it's illegal. It cannot yeah. be. In terms of the basic conditions of Employment Act, it's illegal. And I'm sure they're doing the same to your colleagues, the people that are riding yeah. trucks with you. Can't you all join a trade union or can't you, one of you, take down everyone's name and one of you go into the Department of Labor? The department can keep your name secret so that you don't lose your job. Um, and they can go and investigate. And they've got inspectors. You know, Sorry, yeah, you were going to say I, something? We have tried that. You know, we have tried joining the trade union. There's one trade union that we were meant to join, but it all vapored out. It all went out. You know why? Because... The same guys that we were, we, we, we asked for help from, they were coming now straight to the offices there, and maybe they get paid or something, then they walk away. Uh, they won't talk to us. Uh, and now it happens recently when we started the year around, I gathered everyone, because I'm voiceful on these issues at work. Yeah. I gathered everyone. We wrote a very good letter to our, to, our, to our boss, and then we were asking for a meeting so we can talk to him. And that turned out, that turned out badly because I was being accused as a traitor and trying to influence uh, the, the, all his workers, you see. It yeah. didn't go down well up until now. Yeah. We, uh, I'm, being, I'm being treated badly for that. Martin, did you go to the Department of Labor or to a union that went to the boss? Uh, uh, what, what, what I did right. is, you know, I, I, I wanted it to be a, a, a gentleman's thing where we can sit down with our employer and talk. You know, there are mm. very many risks at our, at, our, at our companies whereby you complain and you get sick. And at the end of the day, you're afraid maybe you won't get any help after that. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So we try to make it a... a, a, a we, we talk to him first. We see how, how far we can go. That's what I was trying to do at work. So it turned out to me now so badly to me that, you know, I'm, I'm being taken as a traitor. And as yeah, a, correct, because they're picking on you now. They're picking on you. I would suggest yes. very strongly that you go to the Department of Labor because if you explain to an inspector that you don't want yes. your name to be used and that yes. they must come and have a random check and to see if everyone's taking leave, I yes. promise you an inspector will arrive. I'm telling you that they will investigate and they will uncover what's going on. And you must have nothing to do with it, but someone must go in and tell them. I'll and do that. I'll do that. I'll please do that. do that. And then it'd be nice if you can come report back to us at the program over here. We don't have to know the name of the company. All we need to know is that you're getting some results because the Department of Labor, I phone them every day, I speak to them, and they assure me that when they get complaints like this one that you've just told us about, they assure me they do things about it and they get results. So let's hear yeah, if they I'll, are, because you'll be doing a service for the country, if we can hear yes, about I'll, it. I'll, I'll do that and I'll come back to you. Thank I've, you. I've got a second one as well okay. on this okay, later. You see, the second one now is since from the year that year, we are, we are, our money is just getting deducted. Sir. You see, for, it's, it's going in Norway. I've checked with the bargaining council for the, for, for, for the Provident Fund. I've yeah. checked with the SARS for the tax deductions, I'm getting a deduction of almost 2,000 2, rands per, per this For what? Per, per year. For the tax, for the provident fund, and all these miscellaneous things. But this money is not going anywhere. And it's, it's going straight to the company's pocket. So you mean you've checked and it? They're not paying, they're it, not over. paying it over? 
They are not paying it over, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Because and that's I've, fraud. I've talked about this issue, and it's almost getting me fired. Every time I gather, I talk to the drivers. He's not bearing any fruit. And you see, the most worst thing now is that this company, I'm, 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 I'm the foreigner. I'm a foreigner there. And yeah, I've always I've tried to gather the drivers to talk, but when you go there, I'm alone. And I'm almost, almost getting sacked for that. And I'm, I'm, with only a few foreigners working there, about three of us. Out of about 60 to 80 drivers. But if they're not paying it over, then they're doing it to everyone, not just the foreigners. They, they're taking they are doing it. They are doing it to, to everyone. You yeah. See, yeah. So what you need to do, again, it's the same solution. The Department of Labor Inspector must know about this. Because it's yeah. not just you that it's happening. I'm sure everyone is happening to. They're not just picking on you. They're picking on the whole group of people. I've, actually, I've actually checked this, everyone. Yeah, okay, Martin, but Michael says you must actually, when you go to speak to the inspector at the Department of Labor, you must tell him this story as well. Can you take a colleague I'll, with you? Don't go alone. Go with two or three of you. Okay, okay. And then yeah. we will wait to hear back from you, Martin. Hopefully you'll have some good news for us. Yes, I'll definitely come back to, thank come, you. Come back to you, Karen. Thank you very thank much, you. and good luck. Thanks. Okay, good thank, luck. thank you, Michael. Thanks, Martin. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Right, we're staying in Durban. Zakele, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Very well, indeed. Hi. I'm good. I'm good. Yes. I think I'm phoning uh, for a third time now. Um, so, um, 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 my application actually I was uh, terminated by the Department of Education. Uh, my application was uh, dismissed by the Department of Council ERRC. Uh, and then I applied for the review in a uh, labor court. Right. Um, so now I was supposed to send uh, the notice of both motion to the three parties. Uh, first, the respondent, which is the ELRC, and the second one is, is the commission, the one who was uh, hearing my case. Uh, so now uh, I sent... Uh, the, notice, the notice of motion by post, by the registered post. Right. Uh, now, the arbitrator uh, did not get the document. So so now I'd like to ask um, uh, if maybe if I can send it by hand, uh, maybe if should, can I take a, a copy to the, uh, to the arbitrator to sign it? Or maybe I don't know what should I do about it. Yeah, of course you can. Service in the labor court, that means delivery of documents, can be done either registered post or by hand. There's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, there are other ways of service, but I think the most secure way of serving documents in law on anyone is by going to them and getting a signature on a copy that they have received the original copy from you. And I think okay, that, and I think you must do that tomorrow. Don't wait. Never ever okay. wait. It's a message we give everyone on this program. If you want to do something, do it immediately. Don't wait because you might be out of time, and being out of time is and it creates further problems for you. So I would suggest that tomorrow you make a photocopy of the documents. You okay. go to the commissioner that you want to serve it on. Okay. You give the commissioner he or she a copy. And you ask them to sign and date and time on your okay. copy. Okay. So that you've got proof that they have now received it. 
and, oh. and it's better to do it by hand if you can. All right, now I'll try because uh, um, he's around the table. Yeah, no, go and yeah, do that. Because, yeah, right. but yeah. just make sure you keep a copy for yourself, Zakele. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, all right, thanks. Man. Good luck. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Good night to you. Right, um, we're off to Tembisa now. Uh, Amu, good evening. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. Okay, actually, I need to talk about this new, uh, new label, which was limited on the 1st of January. The what? Sorry, I didn't Sorry, hear you. Yeah. What happened? Which, on? Was, which was limited on the 1st of January. On the 5th of January, what happened? Yeah, actually, uh, I've been working on other company uh, through labor, through labor broker. Right. Then uh, I started last year. It was uh, early last year. So uh, as a new labor, no, it says that uh, after three months, get to uh, register or take us as a as a terminal, uh, but we remain on a labor broker. Right. So what happened after three months, uh, late last month, they gave us letters, uh, they told us that uh, they are terminating our contract. So we don't, we won't be able to work again. So after three days, they call us again. It's unfortunate, I, I was using my phone when they call. So they didn't call me back. So some other guys who I was working with, they are working again. I don't know, is it? Will I have able to have a case or not? It sounds like it. Have you been there longer than three months? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, yeah, it was uh, late uh, last month. And when did you start in January? Last year. Last year in January. Uh, February last year. February yeah, well last then, year. Then you are a permanent employee, so you should go and challenge it. When was your last day at work? It was twenty-first uh, of last month. I think you're still in time. You've got 30 yeah. days in which to go and complain. Go to the CCMA. Yeah. You go to the CCMA. It's at the Department of Labor there in Tembisa. And yeah. You must go in there and ask them to fill in a form. The form is called LRA 7.11. LRA. LRA 7.11. Yeah, 7.11. You know the okay. shop 7.11? Yeah, 7.11. So you remember, LRA 7.11, you must ask them for that form, fill okay. it in and say you've been unfairly dismissed, they will help you with it, yeah. and you must lodge your claim now. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Will you remember okay. that? Please do it tomorrow, because don't be late. Okay, thanks. Okay, but you sound, yeah. it sounds like you've yeah. been unfairly dismissed. Yeah, I'll give you feedback. Okay, thank you. I thank you, Amu. That. Thank Good you. luck. Okay, thanks. thanks. Good night to you. Right, okay. back off to KZN, Peter Maritzburg this time. Michael, good evening. Uh, good evening, Helen. How are you doing? Hello, fine, thanks. And you? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm currently... Um, uh, a few weeks back, uh, I, heard, I heard here on the radio you guys were speaking about labor uh, law and stuff. Uh, I can't remember the, the exact, uh, exact date, but I just became interested, so... Uh, a few days after I heard uh, the, ses the session that you guys did, and it was uh, by, by Michael Bergen. Mm. And then um, I, got, uh, I got a hold of uh, a copy of the Employment Act, uh, the Labor Relations Act. Oh, good, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then uh, I, I, I went through it uh, reading, like, and I became interested um, 
with fiction, uh, what's the stage? Fiction one, uh, fiction um, one hundred and eighty-six. Yes. Yeah, the one, uh, the one that speaks about um, dismissals. The six, the six yeah, dismissals. Uh, more specifically, uh, six-term contracts. Right. Yeah. I, I, uh, so I just, I was like a few, a few years back, I was in a similar position. So. Uh, I was employed month to month. Uh, the employer, my employer, would give me like um, extend the contract by a month. For, this happened for over a year, and then um, and then all of a sudden, he just like he decided to like to, to terminate. He told me that he won't be needing my services and stuff like that. So, How long ago was this? I, 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 I thought uh, well, I was getting like. A contract uh, month to month, so there was nothing I could do. But after going to um, 186, yeah, yes, yeah. Well, let me tell you, so you've what? read correctly, you've understood it absolutely properly. This makes me so excited that yeah. people actually listen to. Uh, yeah. And Michael, just by the way. Mike, Michael Bagram is on the show on the first Monday of every month. You'll hear Michael doing labor law if ever you want to listen to him. Okay, but yeah. Michael, let me mm. explain to you. You've understood the section absolutely solidly. Uh, maybe you should take on that learning <laughs> and, and try and pursue a career in labor law. It, it sounds good because you're absolutely right, and a lot of people have this problem. People get put onto a short-term contract. It gets rolled over, and they put on another short-term contract. It gets rolled over. Now the law has, in fact, changed. There's some changes to the labor law. And as from the 1st of April this year, from April Fool's Day 2015, if you've been in a job for longer than three months in any one year, so even if they take you for one month, then you have a gap, and then two-month gap, and then another month, and then another two-month gap, and another month, you've done three months, you are permanently employed. Well, and if they try and say that you're not, then you can challenge it. But that's only from April this year. Yes, but even in the past, when they kept rolling over contracts, mm. you couldn't. You could argue that you had an expectation of the contract being rolled over again before first April. Now, there's more than an expectation. You are deemed to be permanently employed. So you've understood Section 186 absolutely correctly. Okay, and what then, happened what to you was unfair. That, what if they write there that uh, that contract is for a month, specifically for a month, and then they do the same for the next month? And well, if they but, roll it over what, three times, what, you're permanent. Oh, oh, yeah. You understand? Even but, if you have a gap, you work yeah, for a month even, and you don't work for another two months, but you work yeah, for, yeah. as long as there's three months of some description in within one, one year. One year. <clears throat> then you're permanent. You are deemed to be permanent. Obviously, if you're earning less than the set wage, um, the, the Department of, of Labor would say that if you're earning over 170,000 Rand a year, um, then the deeming provision is not there. But don't worry about that. I'm telling you, Section 186 is very, very, it's right on spot what you're looking at. And you are entitled to demand then that you are permanently employed. Now, obviously, you, this happened to you many months ago, many years ago. So, it just from a uh, learnership point of view, as opposed to helping you in your particular case, because I don't know when your last time you were employed at that particular place, 
But if you knew section 186, then you would have been, you would have had more power in your hands. Okay. Okay. So, just for interest sake, uh, if so, it it also happens in the future that uh, it's I get employed in a in a similar situation where it's a fi- uh, fixed term contract, and then do I have to go to the CCMA or or what? Yes, that's that's the first protocol. Unless they belong to a bargaining council, if they belong to a bargaining council, then you go to the bargaining council. But if you're not sure, then you go straight to the CCMA. And they will help you out. They'll fill in the forms for you. They'll explain to you what the law is. But you know what it is. You, you've read the section. You understand it. For the future, if you get a contract for one month and you have an expectation that the same job is there and you get maybe another contract for another month or then a third month, then you're permanent. But even if you've done one month and it's a short-term contract and they roll it over once, you might have an expectation because the job is the same. It hasn't gone away. Why do they tell you to go? And if you think they're telling you to go because they're trying to avoid the three months, you've also got a claim. Okay, so don't ever consider not trying. You must always try and have a look to see whether the law supports you. The labor law is there to bring fairness into the workplace. So if you think something's unfair, then go and investigate. That's just like what I did, man. Okay. Thanks, Michael. Good night to you. Rather nice if we encourage him to go and have a look at that. He's learned something now. Right. um, Willie and Christiana, good evening. Uh, Good evening, Karen. Hello. How can we help you this evening? Yeah, thank you for taking my call. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Sure. Uh, Karen, I think I'm I'm a little bit covered because that uh, that was going to be my question regarding uh, temporary workers, you see, yes. that three months uh, we, we, we heard about uh, over the radio, in the media, uh, and then uh, I just wanted to forget the dates, the months, the kickoff of that particular legislation and uh, the feasibility, the practicality of, of it. Uh, is it. Is it really uh, a feasible uh, exercise uh, uh, to, to take place, you think? Yes. To each and every uh, working place after three months, you qualify, you are permanent. Thank yes. you very much. I'll Thank you. That on the radio. Thank you, Thank William. You. Have Thank a good you, evening. Willie. Thank Willie, you. Willie, let, me, let me explain. You, that's absolutely right. And I think it's for all workers out there to understand uh, when Willie hit the nail on the head. Because if you've been there for three months and they tell you you're a temporary worker, you, the word is deemed. You are, pr- you are proposed to be permanent. The company can come forward and try and prove that you're not, but it's for them to prove, not for you. It's for them to come forward and to try and prove that you weren't a permanent employee. So they need to show that your job has come to an end because there's no more work, or because you were there for a specific task, or you were being trained. They need to show it. So what I'm, what I'm really trying to say to you, Willie, is as soon as you've been there for three months, you should be alerted to the fact that you will be deemed to be permanent and the company has to prove to the CCMA or the Bargaining Council the reason why they can't take you on a permanent job. Right, we've got, only got a few minutes left and let's try and squeeze in one more call. Philemon in Johannesburg, good evening. Yeah, good evening, Karen and a guest. Hello, how can we help Bye. you, Philemon? Yes, uh, what I want to find out is about vetting uh, of uh, employees you know, after they have attended interviews. Okay. Because I'm aware that some of the companies might be doing this job in-house and some of them might be outsourcing this thing. 
But as a person who attended the interview, how do you access uh, the information? Well, as, as to why you didn't get the job, perhaps? Is that what you mean? No, no. Uh, how do you access the information of vetting? Because uh, of vetting. Uh, I think you want to see uh, I mean, uh, what kind of information was gathered about you. So that if some uh, of the information is not correct, you can uh, actually challenge it so that they can correct it. Okay. Okay, well, obviously the first thing you need to do is when you do go for the interview, um, obviously if you get the interview and then they don't take you in the job, you need to actually ask them why. You need to get feedback. It's good anyway to find out why, because you know you you don't want to make that same mistake when you go into the next one. And if they give you a reason that is not true or not fair, then you can challenge that. And as an applicant for a job, you qualify for rights under the labour relations. Even though you're not employed there, you qualify for your rights. And so you can go to the CCMA or the bargaining council and challenge. So Philemon, every time you go for an interview. Ask them to have a look at the paperwork and ask them if they're going to say that they're not giving you the job, you must ask them why. Okay. Uh, okay. And you're fully entitled to ask them why. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. No, thank you, Philemon. Thanks, Philemon. Good for night to you. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Yes, we actually checked. We checked. We spoke about that last week, I think, with one of those email questions about Correct. the fact that once you go for the interview or your application as you've been called in, you, you have all the rights, for rights, the same Correct. rights as a full-time employee. Correct. So I don't think a lot of people know that. No, most people don't, and most employers don't understand Well, they'll that. soon find out now after all the people listening to this all yeah. know. <laughs> so the moment you've actually been called in or your application has been accepted, not you haven't been accepted for the job, your application has been accepted to or come even, in for an interview. Correct. Or even if they just answer you. Oh. To ask you some questions about yourself, you remember? We yes, had oh, that's that one. right. We had that one. And yes. the minute they mm. ask questions, then you qualify for as an applicant. And once you qualify as an applicant, then you qualify for rights under the Labor Relations Act. And then if they discriminate against you because they say, no, we don't want black people, then you've got a right. And even though you haven't got the job, you've got a right for unfair discrimination. And people need to ask, why aren't you taking me? Okay. So this, we've got more rights than we actually knew we had before we and started. It's, and it's actually quite unique. In South Africa, it's unique. It's one of the few countries in the world where you qualify for rights of, as, an, as if you were an employee, even though you aren't. Mm. Right. Well, it's the whole evening, once again, of lots of interesting things we've all learned. So my thanks once again this evening to Labour Law Attorney Michael Bagram, and he's been my guest, as you all know, on tonight's edition of the Law Report Programme. And Michael will be back with us again on Monday, the 1st of June. I cannot believe we're almost halfway through the year, Michael. It's scary stuff. He's racing on. Absolutely. And thank you once again so much. Thank you. Thanks nice very you much. Back. It was a very interesting programme. Mm. And thank you for the people that actually take Absolutely. the trouble to phone in because... They keep us going. Absolutely. Nice. And remember, there's a list of available documents. They're on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. I'll actually put them back up to the top of the page. I think they've kind of got lost in the shuffle at the bottom now. Um, you can just drop me a mail to law at safm.co.za, and I can send you a copy of that list if you'd like, and you can choose any of the documents that you'd like to have. Well, the Law Report, as you know, is on the air on SAFM every Monday evening between 9 and 10. And if you'd like to contact me, email is law at safm.co.za. And Facebook, it's law on SAFM. In next week's program, we'll be joined by attorney William Booth and we'll be talking about criminal law. That's the Law Report next Monday, the 11th of May. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with a disability report. So join me then. Well, it's time now for Stephen Kirker and some nighttime music. Hello, Stephen.